Good morning. This is John Murtha coming to you from 89.9 FM radio out of Lorain, Ohio. Very happy you tuned in this morning. And I'm here in the office on this beautiful summer day with my friend and assistant, David Abu. David. Hey, John. Good morning. Great to be here with you today. Good to be here. Yeah, yes. it is a really beautiful day. Oh, and heck you know, yeah. Mid-70s. Beautiful. It's almost hard to believe we're just at the halfway mark of this year, 2020. Yeah. Yeah. And this time in six months, we're like planning for Christmas and all. And, oh, my uh, gosh. Uh, you know, what a year it's been. Yeah, so no kidding. It is good when we can get together mm -hmm. and look into the Word of God and to, uh, you know, the thing about the Word of God, it, the Bible clearly, Jesus says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my Word uh, will last forever. It says in Psalm 108, mm -hmm. 19, verse 89, forever, O Lord, your Word is settled in the heavens. So no matter what happens on this planet, as we go through changes and disruptions, God's word is eternal. It's not yeah. going to change. You know, it's, it doesn't it's, change. It's stable. It, you know, just, it, it's yeah. it's the equalizer when you think about the rest of the world and how it's. You know, I was talking to my family about this the other night, John, about how you know you got the flying monkeys all over, and uh, and when you come to the word, it just brings you back to equilibrium and you're you're calm. Mm -hmm. Because you see that it doesn't change and it, it relaxes you because you realize that, you know, he's with us and he is in control even if there's noise all around us. Right. And right now, boy, what a year for noise. 2020 and uh, yeah. hopefully this COVID thing is uh, yeah, right. coming, coming to an end. Yeah. But again, you know, we're here. It's 89.9 FM uh, Lorraine, Ohio. And uh, we'll look into the Word of God. You know, in the past... 20 years, particularly after World War II, there's been a really big interest in the book of Revelation. I mean, Hollywood has made many movies about yeah. the book of Revelation. There's been a ton of books and interest in the book of Revelation. Mm -hmm. But um, quite honestly, Hollywood gets it wrong. And the majority of these books, if you just have a little bit of a Bible background, you see they, they're not... They don't, they don't really follow the scriptures properly once we get into this book. Uh -huh. um, and there's been a... Uh, there's a main theme to this book we're going to see as we get into it. But I thought we would spend some time, maybe even the next couple of weeks, sure. uh, getting into this. And um, first of all, the, the, the book of Revelation uh, of Jesus Christ, that's the title. It's not the Revelations, plural, uh, of John or something like this. But it's the Revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the very first words that are expressed there. And... And it, the verse, first verse says, "The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him, to God gives to God the Father gives it to Jesus to show His servants things which must shortly come to place." And He sent and signified it by His angel to His servant John. So right from the first verse, we see it's coming from God the Father. Mm -hmm. He gives it to Jesus. Um, then He gives it to an angel. Who gives it through the use of signs or, or symbols it says signified it by his angel to John for his servants just in one verse you see that line of yeah, transmission that, that's that's cool you see yeah um, and the the key here is it's a revelation of Jesus Christ people mm -hmm. get caught up well it's the end of the world and this this Antichrist character and this and this and that code and 666 but ultimately it's a revelation of Jesus Christ and the, the even the revelation the apocalypse what it means Apocalypse, the word apocalypso means unveiling. So if they had a statue, let's say, of an emperor, and it's all shrouded, and they're going to open it up, all the people mm -hmm. are going to see it on this day of inauguration, and it's covered with a big tarp. Mm -hmm. 
when they undid it and it falls, then they would, the apocalypse, they would see the unveiling. They would see what that emperor looked like or that particular person. So too, this is an unveiling of Jesus Christ. I think people have to remember that hmm. when they go through uh, the book of Revelation. We're going to find out a lot, a lot about Jesus Christ. In that process, we're going to learn about his holiness, his love, his compassion, but also his righteousness, his holiness, his wrath, all of these things. And ultimately, it moves to the end of the book where we see him coming back. He's king of kings, lord of lords, all sin, wickedness, uh, Satan. He's judged. He's cast out as you get a new heaven and new earth. That, that's that's huh. how it moves. You yeah, know. that's. I, I like that. I actually didn't. I, I didn't realize that. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, now that you say that, I mean, I just took it differently. But um, so Revelation really is giving us the full character of Christ. Exactly okay. right. All right. So by by keeping mm -hmm. that as your central pillar or uh, 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 mm -hmm. prism that you're looking at this yeah. book wherever we're at, that helps you ground yourself. Okay. And again, popular mm -hmm. books and how, mm -hmm. movies. That's where they get it off. They think it's a code. For this end thing and that but it's much more than that it's much much larger it's about jesus hmm. so um now look at verse three uh this is very important for those that we're going to be studying this with if you look yeah at, so uh, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. Now, this is important because this is the only book, the book of Revelation, that has special blessings for those that read it, for those that hear it, and for those that keep the things that are written herein. It's a so, special blessing. Yeah, so read it out loud. Yeah, back so then they did read it okay. out loud. You know. So if we're alone, should we read it out loud? Well, <laughs> you, you could or you yeah. couldn't, but the, the emphasis yeah. here is you're into the book of Revelation. Sure. Of course, in the first century, you maybe had maybe a third of the population was literate. And so when these letters would come, uh, yeah, right. you'd have everybody yeah. assembled and you would read it. And then, mm -hmm. then somebody would offer mm -hmm. uh, expanded teaching on mm -hmm. it. And then you would take that letter to another church or copy it. But essentially it was being read. And then those that could read would, would have copies or they'd be reading it. But I do like the fact that this is the only book in the Bible. Special blessings are given to those that you know hear yeah. it, read it, yeah. apply it to their yeah. lives. Seven. Now we're going to see the number of seven runs through all through the book of Revelation. There's seven blessings contained in this book. Mm. As well, we there go you go. It. Yeah. So what what's going on here essentially is again it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. So the first chapter, it's all about Jesus, right? In, in, in his glory, in his power, um, and, and what he's done for us. But notice in verse seven uh, and eight of chapter one. I'm just setting it up sure. before we get into a church. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. And I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Okay. Now notice this right here in the first chapter. Whenever you see the word behold, that means pay attention to, or this is a... This is a pronouncement. It's not. Mm. It's like uh, like when John introduces Jesus, he says, "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes." It's like right. pay attention, you know, alert. You know, it's very important. He is coming with clouds. That's important because we're going to see clouds when it's in reference to God. Often mean this this shiny, shimmering cloud called the Shekinah, 
when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, mm -hmm. it was covered with a cloud, you see. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when Moses goes up on the Mount to get the Ten Commandments of the Law, there's this cloud, this Shekinah. They call it the Shekinah. It's bright. It's luminous. Okay. And he even comes down. He's actually luminous himself. His face is luminous, you know, bright. Yeah. Um, the tabernacle in the wilderness that contained the presence of God in the tabernacle, the Holy of Holies, it had a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. So you see this idea of cloud indicating God's presence. But here's what it says in Acts chapter 1. When Jesus goes up from the people, uh, from the apostles, he just gave them basically the Great Commission. And it says in uh, Acts chapter 1, uh -huh. verse 9 uh, through 11. Yeah, I got that. A after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside him, stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Okay, this is yeah. very profound, huh. but he's leaving the earth now. We call his ascension. He's leaving the earth. He just gave told the apostles and his followers to, you know, right. to, to be imbued with power and then be my witnesses. But it says here, he goes up in a cloud. You see that? Yeah. He goes up in a cloud. And then we presume these are two angels standing here, uh, these men dressed in white. And they say to the apostles, why are you looking up? He's coming back in what? The same manner. Yeah. Bodily in clouds. Mm -hmm. And so fast forward, Revelation chapter 1, we see him coming yeah. in clouds. Do you see that linkage, yeah, David? That's, that that's arch, cool. That, that arch, you know, from his yeah. ascending for his descending. And a lot of the, bo the book of Revelation about Jesus' second coming. That's quite honestly what's going on oh, here. Oh, right. Yeah, and because, because we as believers have this, it's called the blessed hope. Mm -hmm. It says this in 1 John, that he's coming back. You know, I, I, I believe this 110%. Jesus one day is coming back the way he went up. That is say, in clouds of glory, and when he comes, it's it's the sun only covers half the earth at any given time, right? It's night at one. When he comes back, it says the whole world will be flooded in uh -huh. light. And those that are righteous are looking forward, but those that aren't, the wicked, they will like dive into the caves and the rocks. They'll say, rocks fall on us. His brightness is too bright, and he's exposing our wickedness. But he's coming back, you see. Now, yeah. we must, because we have this hope, what they call it the blessed hope, what do we do now? We purify ourselves. See, think of him as the bridegroom and the church as the bride. Well, what does the bride do as she's waiting for her wedding? She's getting everything ready. Yeah. You know, she's, she's got the dress, she's mm -hmm. got the flowers, she's got, everything's got to be perfect. Mm -hmm. But who sends out the wedding invitations? The bride. So what are we doing now until he returns? Giving out the wedding invitations, mm. inviting people to come into the kingdom, oh, sharing the gospel. Oh, I like that. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So we got this span of time. Mm -hmm. When is he coming back? He could come back today. He can come back in 30 years. Yeah. He can come back in 300 years. Mm -hmm. We don't know the time. Yeah. Okay, that's in the Father's hand. Mm -hmm. He, When he says it's it ready, he, Jesus is sent, and that, that's it. But knowing this... Mm -hmm future event is coming for certainty it has a present day effect on our life yeah and and what an opportunity to send out those invites now yeah um so and and i think you know the the challenge jen with that is is you know christians is 
it, it's hard to do that now because, you know, the churches are starting to open up a little bit, mm-hmm. but we haven't had that strong community there. But I think still, you know, we, we can show people our mannerisms. And if they see that we're calm, I think that's really the best invite you can give anybody is to show that even when the world is crazy around you or your life is being affected, um, that you show that calm and resilience. And isn't that a good way to show people that, uh, that there's a reason that you're able to do that? Certainly. Yeah. I mean, if you look as a believer, when you come to Christ, we know that the fruit of the Holy right. Spirit, well, love, you're joy, perfect, peace. You're a perfect well, example. We're uh, all in yeah. process, uh-huh. David. But when you bear the fruit of love, joy, mm-hmm. peace, patience, long-suffering, compassion to ours, mm-hmm. you know, all of these things, if you have peace and calm in a world that doesn't have peace and calm, that's kind of attractive. Think of people in your own life growing up who had some people. If you have real joy, even though you go through difficult times, it's not easy, but mm-hmm. you have joy because you know Jesus will mm-hmm. never leave you. Nor that, uh, joy is an attractive quality in a joyless world. Mm-hmm. And we're told as believers through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can now have these fruits of the Holy Spirit. That right. is to say, it's, it's right. manifested in our character. Well, fruit is never meant for the tree that bears it. Think of it. Mm-hmm. If you go to Florida, you know, with the oranges and the tangerines and the banana trees and all this, it attracts others to it. And come, when you, you are attracted to that fruit, you, you take the fruit and partake of it. What is contained within every piece of fruit? A seed. A seed. That's mm-hmm. the gospel. Right. So when somebody says to you, mm-hmm. you're going through all this trouble, Dave. How can you be calm? Mm-hmm. Or how can you have a sense of peace or purpose? And you say, well, I wasn't always like this. Right. But let me tell you. Oh, when I accepted Jesus Christ, he is the Prince of Peace. Yeah, yeah my life, there's mm-hmm. things I like. In my own life, I like more ordered or, yeah. or see results mm-hmm. in. But nevertheless, my anchor, the pillar is solid in Christ. Yeah. That's why I can. You know, we can be like we are. So yeah. you're right, to your point, David. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. attractive, you know, right. that people come to Christ. Yeah. Okay, now in this same verse, he is going to say, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end who is and was and who is to come, the Almighty. So here, we. this is, when people have a problem with understanding that Jesus is God, you just read this verse, who is coming in the clouds and every eye will see him. Well, it even further says he's pierced. Well, it says in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, they will look upon me whom they have pierced. Mm-hmm. That's 600 years before the crucifixion. 600 years in the Old Testament. But this one that's coming in clouds of glory has been pierced. That's how he died, right? Yes. And he's calling himself, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. He says, I am the beginning of the end. This is this is a, a title of God. In Isaiah, you see this idea used, I'm Heck the yeah. Alpha and the Omega. Yeah. Jesus is applying this to himself. What does that mean, I'm the Alpha and the Omega? Well, that's the first letter and the last letter of the Greek alphabet. Right. It's like a circle. He has no beginning. He has, only God is eternal. Yeah. Angels aren't eternal. No. Human beings are. So right here, when people say, "Well, I don't believe Jesus is God," or "I don't," well, That's, there it is. There it is. What else? What else you can know, you say? <laughs> he, he's he's kind of blatantly showing mm-hmm. right here. Uh, now you you might want to do a new translation or try to play with those verses, but it's, it's you can't hardly do it, and so. Now, John, I'm just kind of setting this up so oh, we yeah, get sure. into these churches, uh-huh. but it's very important. Then look at what John says in verse uh, 9 and 10. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance, there 
are ours in Jesus, <clears throat> was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see. Okay, so now <clears throat> we're, we're introduced to John. Right. And this is John, without a doubt, this is John the Apostle, right? Right, yes. Um, he says, I'm your brother and companion. We're not sure when this letter is written. We're thinking it's like 80, mm -hmm. maybe 85 AD. So right. he hasn't seen Jesus since that Acts chapter 1 where he saw him ascend to heaven, right? John was very close mm -hmm. to Jesus, right? Yeah. So he had been with him in the three years he, of his probably... He put his mother um, in John's Charged care, John. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, so that's yeah, a very close relationship. So now he's seeing a whole different Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he may not have seen him for 40 years, but now he's seeing the glorified Christ. And he says he's going to be writing this letter to these seven churches. And we're going to see in a minute, these churches are going through it. It's the first century... There's emperor worship, there's idolatry, there's immorality, there's all kinds of things going on. And these churches are basically surviving. Yeah. Some are drifting, some are thriving, some are bright light, some are dark, you know. But he says, I'm your brother and companion in the tribulation and the kingdom, and I'm on the island of Patmos. And so the island of Patmos is, is offshore, it's a small island, from Turkey today. Back right. then it was right. Asia. They called it Asia. But right. And it's where prisoners were sent to be banished. They think there was mines there they worked in and stuff. And John was sent there as a prisoner, probably because he wouldn't be involved in mm -hmm. emperor worship and all this. So he's alive here. He's getting this revelation. Side note that's very interesting. At the end of the Gospel of John, Jesus looks at John and he says, the verse 22 of John chapter 21, Jesus said to him, that is to Peter, mm -hmm. if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Then this saying went out among the brothers that this disciple, John, would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die. But if, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that? So he's saying here, John won't die like Peter is going to die. He just told Peter he's going to die upside, you know, mm -hmm. crucified. Mm -hmm. But he's saying here, what if John remains? Yeah. Till when? Till, what if he remains till I come? Well, we presume John died at an old age. Yeah. But did he see the second coming of Jesus? Yes, by revelation. Ah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's <laughs> that's really, yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> he saw it in the spirit. We're going to see that's what the book of Revelation yeah. is about. And how old was John? Was he like 90 or something they were they were suggesting? Or That's a good question because... Trying to put it all together. The Gospels the we can yeah. date, David. Yeah. Um, and um, what I mean by that, you, you notice who's the provincial... Mm -hmm. uh, Proconsul yeah. or this city and that there's there's time date indicators in the gospels you can determine this we don't have the presumption is he's it's like 80 AD 90 AD which would make John if he's a young man when he was an apostle I don't know he could be 80 years old mm -hmm. you know if Jesus starts his ministry at age 30 if he's picking these young fishermen maybe they're 20 25 stretch it out Maybe he's 80 years old, 85 okay. years old. Okay. We don't know yeah. for sure. But mm -hmm. he's certainly an old man at, yeah. at this time. Yeah. Um, and he's getting this kind and of... And he's in jail when he's writing this because um, of his Christian beliefs, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so it'll say here, mm -hmm. um, 
And then he turns around and he sees Jesus. And Jesus, it shows here, uh, is going to tell him in verse 11. I'm back in Revelation now. Right. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. He repeats that. That's a divine title. That's a title mm -hmm. of God. What you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches. So here we see these letters are going to seven local yeah. churches. And we're going to see, we'll go on in the study of Revelation. Seven is a number that permeates the revelation. Well, what does seven mean? Seven in the Bible is often a number of perfection or completeness. Mm -hmm. So if the book of Revelation is the last last book of Revelation, yeah. <laughs> no pun intended, is the last book of Revelation to mankind, it would make sense, it would be stamped, or the watermark would be the number seven. And especially with John writing this, when we study the Gospel of John, we're sensitive to the fact that what? There's seven I am statements right. Jesus makes in the Gospel of John. There's seven, mm -hmm. there's seven signs or miracles in the Gospel of John. Mm -hmm. Certainly Jesus did more. Yeah. Um, there's seven phrases he'll utter to the woman at the well of Samaria. You'll see seven in there, yeah. but here it's just like on steroids if you just you see seven 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 churches seven seven judgments seven spirits seven woes seven bowl judgments seven 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 it permeates the book yeah and 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 jan how did how did uh, how were these churches picked in your mind was it because it looks like they were all congregated geographically yeah, right. right um i read some things that it might have been just a very busy trade route uh -huh. where those were so that the word could have gotten out to more of the masses <laughs> What's your interpretation of why these seven were picked? That's a good question. If yeah. you look, now again, where are these seven churches? <clears throat> They're in a place called Asia Minor yeah. in the first century. Yeah. Present-day Turkey. They're in the western region of Turkey. If you look, they look like a horseshoe in uh -huh. terms of the right. location. Yeah. Many think they were on a postal route, a road system. Mm -hmm. Now, some mm -hmm. of the things we know that the Roman Empire was famous for, and you've been to Italy, I've been to oh, Italy, yeah. mm -hmm. is number one, there's their buildings, their structures that they made which stand to this mm -hmm. day, the Colosseum, yeah. the Forum, etc. But they were also <clears throat> famous for their road systems that stretched all the way mm -hmm. throughout Europe and mm -hmm. into the Middle East, and their postal system. A lot of people don't realize they had a postal system <laughs> uh, system where letters and litter you know treaties and all mm -hmm. that could move and they would go on these road systems so your point about the seven churches mm -hmm. many think this was a road system that they would travel starting with ephesus which was arguably mm -hmm. the most important city and then it would go up north and then it would start coming mm -hmm. down to the last church down the south you see it's like a yeah a arc or a horseshoe but what's interesting when you study chapter one jesus in this glorified state is moving among they he the symbol of the churches is candlesticks you'll see that yes when you've and so he's moving and he's got this robe on and he's looking at, he's moving amongst these set well where do you see a seven-headed candlestick in the temple yeah in, in the tabernacle in the tabernacle right and right. he's dressed almost in priestly garb here and he's looking because the priest would go into the temple and then he would check the uh each of these lamps mm -hmm. that the oil was sufficient that the wick need to be trimmed, mm -hmm. that this had to be adjusted, yeah. and that's kind of what he's doing with these churches. Yeah, isn't that something? Are you full of the Holy Spirit? Do you need something to be trimmed off? Do you need to repent? Do you? And he's moving in this beautiful kind of a picture John sees. You can imagine. Oh, my gosh. And then John, he sees Jesus, and look what it says in verse 17. Look what it says in verse 16 and 17 of chapter 1. In his right hand he held seven stars. 
and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. Now look at this. This is so powerful, David, because why? Yeah. Look at the description of Jesus in verse 16. No kidding. He's holding these stars in his hand. Out of his mouth goes a sharp two-edged sword. And his appearance or countenance, it was like the sun shining at noonday. Uh, from being very passive and being crucified and going through all that to now coming back as a true general. Glorified. Yeah, glorified Just, with all the abundance and strength. And look what John's yeah. reaction. And remember, yeah. John was the apostle Jesus loved. He he rested on his shoulder at the Last Supper. Look yeah. what his response is in verse yeah, 17. Yeah, he, he fell, uh, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. Now notice, Jesus is in his glorified mm -hmm. state, right? And just this incredible, luminous, yeah. bright being. John sees it and he falls. They can't, in other words, he can't hardly handle it. But what does Jesus do? He reaches out and touches, touches him. Yeah. This tells me something about the God of the Bible. He, yeah, he's powerful. He's luminous. You can't hardly look upon him in his holiness. Yeah. But he reaches down and does what? He touches. Yeah, he's always he a comforter. He's you know? study yeah, the number of yeah. people Jesus touches in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. Touches the leper. Mm -hmm. He touches the widow, mm -hmm. the son that was in the, on the way mm -hmm. to burial when he raises them. He touches people he shouldn't touch as a rabbi. You know, to be a, But the God of the Bible touches us, David. How important is touch? And you got the most powerful being mm -hmm. in the, in the mm -hmm. universe reaches down and touches this frightened little follower. Yeah. And he says, don't be afraid. How many people have to hear that message today? Don't be afraid. Ugh. We can fear. What's my future? What's my job situation? Are my kids going to get in school? Are they going to be successful in school? Do I have an illness? Mm -hmm. Do, what about this? And what about that? These are all real issues. Right. I don't minimize this. But to know that the God of the universe reaches down to you singularly and touches and says, don't be afraid. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid. Okay. Where did that fear start first off in the Bible? Who's the first one to ever say they were afraid? Adam and Eve in the yeah, garden. Right. God says, why are you hiding? He says, we were afraid. Mm -hmm. We were afraid. Yeah. Here at the last book of the Bible, he says, don't be afraid. Right. If you know me, don't mm -hmm. be afraid. And again, he uses this title. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And then he says, he amplifies the verse, I am he who lives and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. This has to be Jesus. That's why when people have issues and saying the Bible doesn't declare Jesus to be God, it's because they're not reading the Bible. Yeah, I was going to say, are you kidding? I mean, geez, how more straightforward can this be? Now, we're going to encounter angels later on in this oh, sure. book. But yeah. they, don't, they don't use this titling. They would not even dare to use this kind mm -hmm. of... You wouldn't hear an angel say, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. Correct. I'm the first and the yeah. last. And then he qualifies it by saying, I'm the one that you pierced. Right. It's got to be Jesus. Yeah. It's, it's, anyhow, yeah. anyhow. Okay, let's look. He explains then um, what John is to do. Look at verse 19. Write therefore what you have seen, what is now and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampsteads is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. 
and the seven lampsteads are the seven churches. Okay, so here we're getting a little bit of an outline explanation. Verse 19, he says, write the things which you have seen. In other words, John's going to see this stuff right. in visions, etc. The things which are present, mm -hmm. the things which will take uh, He says, write the things you have seen, probably the things he's seeing right now, the things which are present, and the things which will take place after this. So he's got three like elements of time involved here. And then he's going to explain, a lot of times in Revelation, they don't explain symbols. So we have, we'll, we'll show you how we work with that going through. But he says, the mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand, the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the seven, are the angels to the seven churches. It could be the pastors. It could be the leaders of the churches or somehow he uses angels to get these messages across. But we, we have no doubt that the lampstands are the seven churches. Yeah. That's important because why? The church is the light in the darkened world, whether it was in the first century or in the 21st century. And the the the, the church is, think of it like a lighthouse. You know, the, the, mm -hmm. you got the waves, mm -hmm. it's dark, ships need to see. Yeah. So these lampstands have to give out a light. You have to give out a light. And he deals with these seven churches because some of them are drifting and their light is starting to go out. Okay. And, and, uh, Think of it, a churches today, you know, lights are going out because, A, there's churches that no longer believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. They don't believe in his physical death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. They do not believe there's a coming judgment. They do not believe in the Trinity. Am I right? Yes. It becomes like a club. Yes. And what good is that? That There's no light. Yes. Okay, now yes. let's, now we're going to look at these seven churches, David, and get into it. Um, that's just like a preamble or a preface to what we uh, launch into. We're going to look at this church in Ephesus and um, just see some of the qualities. So if you want to read chapter 2, um, 1 through 3. Okay, hang on. Revelation. And we're going to see why he will start with uh, this church. I believe it's extremely important. Chapter 2, right? Uh -huh, verses 1 through 3. Okay, just a second. Okay, Revelation 2, 1 through 3. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampsteads. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Okay, now look at this. This is the first church. Why does it start with Ephesus? Well, Ephesus, interestingly enough, Ephesus is the only church in the book of Revelation that has a letter or epistle written in, in uh -huh. the New Testament, yeah. a letter to the Ephesians. We don't have letters in the New Testament written to Smyrna or Pergamos, these right. other churches that are in uh -huh. Revelation chapter. But Ephesus, we do have a letter. And we can find out a little about this church at Ephesus when we look at Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 20. And what we see there is that um, the apostles spent a lot of time in Ephesus. Ephesus was a capital city at that time. It yeah. was a very important port city. It had culture, trade, Prominent commercial education, yeah. had a library. Right. But it also had idolatry. It had the yes. famous... Um, this huge temple to Artemis or Diana, and it, it was mm -hmm. we're going to see that's where mm -hmm. Paul's going to get in trouble because mm -hmm. when these people start 
turning their back on idolatry, repenting, and they accept Christ. Of course, you don't need idols anymore. And the silversmiths used to sell little idols, like small ones people would buy. It was a great business. They uh -huh. would come from all around to go to this temple. Right. And the silversmiths are saying, look, these people are no longer buying these little idols. This guy is bringing a lot of problems and chaos to our to our city in Ephesus. But nevertheless, Paul will stay there at least two years. He teaches yeah. a lot. Yeah. And many think that the church at Ephesus was the mother church or the platform that out from that, these other seven churches, oh. six churches were okay. planted. Okay. It's a yeah. little like, uh, let's say you had a, a, a church, a really powerful mm -hmm. church in um, Lorain, Ohio. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that church grows another church out in Elyria yeah. and Sheffield Lake. and another. It's almost like franchising. Mm -hmm. Think of yeah. a franchise. Yeah. That once you've got the model working mm -hmm. correctly, you have elders in mm -hmm. place, you have, you're teaching your people, they're yeah. discipled, yeah. they have a heart, and they say, hey, there's not too much going on in this region out in the eastern border of Sheffield Lake. Let's 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 birth a church out there. Now it's the work of the Holy Spirit, but nevertheless you can that this is what my involvement in missions in Southeast Asia. We would have a town church. Right. And then out of that we go into the villages. Often you were just meeting in a home. Mm -hmm. But as you've seen God move, it's all by the work of the Holy Spirit, you start to see that home church become a growing church. Before it's just like a Bible study. Right. But as it grows, it then becomes a church. And what you want to do is get national leaders, in my case Thai pastors you teach and teach them mm -hmm. and then they can take it over and you can pull back like paul doesn't stay there and become the pastor he pulls back and lets the leadership emerge mm. it's it's powerful the way oh, jesus yeah. jesus I mean, just on a, on a economic scale business scale he presents to us the most perfect model of, of growth franchising how do you franchise? Okay. You work out yeah, a model. Right. And then you train the trainers or you train the leaders. Mm -hmm. The rest of stuff is, yeah. you know, it's yeah. really powerful. Yeah, and it goes organically. Yeah. So, Jan, this was the oldest church of the seven. Uh, we think. Okay. Now, because, again, we're not sure, but we do know it'll say in Ephesians that the gospel goes out from there. Mm. You know, it goes mm -hmm. out from there. And okay. Paul's smart. I mean... They will go to these major cities of Corinth, yeah. Ephesus, Athens, Antioch, because in missions they're called people pump. People come there to trade. Uh, you get sailors coming there. You get educators coming there. You get students to come. You get people, business people right. come. Yeah. So the the because when when people come to a big city, so mm -hmm. to speak, they're more open to new ideas. Right. When you're down on the farm kind yeah. of thing, yeah. you're really locked into tradition and you're not exposed to new. So you come yeah. to these cities, yeah. you're opened up, yeah. good and bad, let's put it this mm -hmm. way. But that's where you can often reach people that are going back to mm -hmm. their hometown or their villages. Do you understand? So that's yeah. why we call them in missions that the big cities, the cultural centers are mm -hmm. like people pumps. Yeah. People come in, but mm -hmm. people go out. And mm -hmm. so it's very strategic. Paul is magnificent strategist yeah. in how to get the gospel out. Yeah. And then he's always training younger men. Yeah. He's always training and invested in younger men who can take over from him. Yeah, and just given the number of churches that were in that geographic region, it shows you the importance of how you need to have the church in your daily life, right? That's a very good point, David. I mean, and yeah. we're going to spend a whole it's session. It's like a Walgreens on every corner of a major city. Well, <laughs> That's you, how they positioned it. You I mean, bring, that was their business plan, just the foot traffic alone. You bring up a good point, David, and we're going to look to this. Consider this. After we get the revelation of who Jesus is in chapter 1, we see mm -hmm. 
powerful revelation of who yeah. Jesus is and all his glory. He doesn't then write and tell John to write about the new heaven and the new earth, the judgment that's coming upon Satan and demons and the wicked. He yeah. doesn't tell about the demise of Rome. He doesn't tell about this. His focus is on seven local churches. Do you think local churches are important to Jesus? Yeah. yeah. This is what he opens up with. And we have to know this today, the importance of the local church. You gotta be in a this church. Is, yeah. This is this is this is people we don't go to church and belong to a church because we like it. Or wow, the sermons are great, or the worship is great, or the color of the carpet is great, or they have barbecues every three mm -hmm. weeks. We go to the church because we're commanded. Jesus says, I will build my church. And then he gives the blueprint. It's worked out in Acts of the Apostles. You see how they mm -hmm. build churches. There's a certain pattern they yes. use. And to be outside of church as a believer is to be in rebellion. Because I don't want to. What is a church? A simple working definition. Committed community of Christians that gather together on a regular basis under the care and the authority of a pastor and eldership for the purpose of worship, prayer, discipleship, mm -hmm. caring for the needs of one another, sharing the Lord's Supper and baptism so we can go out from there and share yeah. it with a wider community through our words and through yeah. works of mercy. Yeah. End of story. Yeah, and it's really a key way for us to stay on track. Exactly Well, right. with our walk. And, you know, because if you don't have all those other people feeding into you, and, and they tell you, I think the biggest impact for me when... We finally found when we found the church that that you and Marie were at. Um, I, I realized that you know every Sunday you kind of see that these people all have issues going on. Yes. But they're all there and it seems peaceful. You know, you're you're celebrating together. You can hear them talk. Oh yeah, please please pray for us. We got this going on. But you don't see eyes bulging out of people's heads or anger coming right. out. You just say, yeah, we're really going through it. Could you please pray for us? And that that's a calming thing. And so even now in today's world, you know, a friend of mine is, lives up in Seattle, and he was telling me about that situation up there, and he said how much the media is overplaying it. And and that kind of noise goes away when you have a strong community. Oh, right. You know what I mean? And, and so that's why you want that shield, that, that um, you know, that armor of protection inside your church right and then yeah. don't forget to coming into church that's where gifts are identified oh yeah you can you can you know mm -hmm. somebody might say uh oh uh, you you have the gift of hospitality you have the gift of encouragement you have the gift of administration or or they might say you got a background in building things mm -hmm. and that can you help us like you advised mm -hmm. on the parking lot issues and that or they might say um you have a good gift to reach children and teach them Bible. Or maybe we recognize that you could go overseas and you can share this gospel in a different culture and we want to get behind you. So gifts are identified, cultivated, and recognized. And you can't do that if you're yeah. alone. No. And this is a pernicious trend. We're going to spend a whole show on this, David, coming in. The importance of being part of a local mm -hmm. church. Yeah. And this is, look what happened to Western Europe. This, mm -hmm. is, this is not, this is a terrible trend. And when you go to Revelation, people that are like fascinated with the book of Revelation and all this, they have to come to deal with these issues. Are you a committed Christian involved in a local church? Whether it's large or small, that's not the issue. And we're going to see that Jesus loved these churches. Yeah. And they have oh, problems. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah. So we'll get into that as, as we go through this study. Do they ever, so yeah. now we see him mm -hmm. in the church at Ephesus. And again, that's the first church. It's the primary church. If you looked on a map, you would see the importance of this church at Ephesus. 
And again, when you study the letter to the Ephesians, there's no rebuke in that letter. It's a very um, exalted letter with high spiritual truths, you know, about spiritual armor and all this other stuff. But when you come, let's say this is 30 years later when you were getting this letter written to the church at Ephesus mm -hmm. in Revelation, they got issues. Something happened within that generation. Well, John, I, I think the other big thing that I that I gathered, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this was a time of great persecution mm -hmm. for the Christians, and they haven't really heard from Christ since he ascended. So wasn't this also... I guess, great news that he has been with them the entire time. And even though he's critiquing the churches, he's letting them know he's still walking with them. Right. That's a good point. I mean, it, it, that's that, that's kind of... So I, 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 if I'm John, I'm actually saying, oh, he, Jesus lives. Yeah. And that's, you know, in that one quote, uh, Jesus says, I, I'm here forever and ever. Right. Just because you haven't seen me doesn't mean I haven't been around. I'm with you always, right? Well, he says that, yeah. go make disciples of mm -hmm. all nations, right. and lo, I'm with you even to the end of the age. Right. And John will say in verse 9 of chapter 1, I'm your brother and companion in tribulation. Yeah. You see, so they were going through it. We'll discuss that when we get into these seven churches. Okay. But yep. one thing that was big then was emperor worship. You see, it was mm. Caesar Augustus, and you get coins ancient coins those are one of the things archaeologists they look for tools and they look for coins because they last but you'll see the title and you'll see divina or you'll mm -hmm. see some kind of title yeah but it will mean like caesar or nero or domitian is lord or is the son of god they use these titles because they thought they were gods okay um so if you're if if you're in that town and you don't believe caesar is god they might require everybody in that town one time a year to go to the temple with the statue of Caesar, whoever the emperor was, just take a pinch of incense, put it on the altar, and say, Caesar is Lord before all the people. If you don't do that, you might lose your job or you might lose your life. Think of this. Think in Nazi Germany. If, if, if Hitler and his SS troops are going into a small town, right. let's say they're yeah. invading Poland, they're going through mm -hmm. this town, and everybody comes out and they raise their hand up and say, Heil Hitler. And you have a family or a group of people that don't raise their hand up when his car goes by. Will everybody notice that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Are they going to be persecuted? Yeah. You see how this mm -hmm. works? And so these guys, these guys were going through it. You know, we, we, it's hard for us to appreciate it living in yeah. America. Yeah. But when he says here, but notice when you, what you just read, he says, verse 2, I know your works, your labor, your patience. You cannot bear those who are evil. You've tested those who are apostles. This, at this, if you give a, a report card grade to this church at this point, what would you say? I know your works, your labor, yeah. your patience. You cannot bear those who are evil. You've tested those who say you're apostles. You found them to be liars. I, I would you're, say that it's pretty high on the scale of yeah, positive. Exactly. It's right. not perfect, but still, yeah. This this church is hitting it. This right. Their works are good. Mm -hmm. Notice Jesus says, I know your works. Jesus knows everything about us. He oh, knows yeah. our address. Oh, yeah. That's he goes, I know your works, your labor, your patience. And they have discernment. He says, you cannot bear those who are evil. Again, in other words, there's a lot of evil trying to get into the churches. We're going to see that when we get later on in these other churches. The church has always had two enemies, David. The enemies on the outside okay mm -hmm. um, Romans and yeah. soldiers and, and all these people that want to do harm to the church and then the enemies inside the church see so they were very good on 
protecting the church from evildoers coming yeah, in. Yeah. Now, this is an important point because Jesus says, Beware ravenous wolves, or wolves will come in sheep's clothing and get into the church. And I said earlier, if you look at what's happened mm -hmm. historically, where churches go sideways, what's come in? Some really bad teaching. Well, do you really believe Jesus is God? Maybe he was just a really great teacher. And do you really think he died on the cross and he rose physically from the dead? You know, these kinds of primary biblical truths are being washed away. Yeah. And can't we all go along? And in terms of morality, can't we, can't we lower our standards so more people will come in and they'll feel comfortable? See what I'm saying? Yeah. This, what's happening back here, there's nothing new under the sun, is happening today. Right. You see? Yeah. But these people got this thing going on. They've tested. They got discernment. He says in verse 3, You have persevered and have patience. You have labored for my name's sake, and you've not become weary. These, they were in it for the long run. You yeah. know, how many people get weary, get discouraged? Oh, heck how yeah. many people do you oh. know that started out well in their Christian faith, mm -hmm. but five years, ten years you hear, mm -hmm. well, how about the, how, how is Bill doing? Haven't you heard? No. Oh, he left his wife, you know, and he's doing this and he's involved. And you go, what happened? You know, he was, he got wearied. He got discouraged. Yeah. He yes. drifted away. And that can happen. It can I mean, happen. It's, it's a challenge. Uh, it's a challenge for me, too, uh, some days, you know. You that, just, oh, that's why you always have to come back and uh, and try and stay focused. And then you pray for strength. You pay, you pray for God's strength, you know. And, 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 and th that's when you flip the armor on, too. And that's why yeah. community, a church, is so oh, yeah, important. yeah, you need that. When you're low on faith, get with people that have a lot of faith. Yes. When you can't pray well, get with people that can pray well. Right. right? It kind yeah. of encourages yes. you. Yes. And uh, what Jesus gave us in the churches mm -hmm. with pastors, with operational, that's functionally, scripturally correct, is very powerful. Because mm -hmm. why? It can get us from here to there. Yes. It'll get us to heaven. And not only that, but our children also. Raise our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Let them be in a church community. Nothing's perfect, but it's the safest place to be. When Noah and his family went into the ark, my sense it was crowded, it was noisy, I don't know what it smelled like at times, but you know what? It was the safest place to be. Yeah. Because everybody that went into that ark got off the right. ark. Okay? Yeah. There's a protection involved in the church community that many people don't realize. We'll get into this when we get further into the letters mm -hmm. to the churches. There's a real protection as well as a blessing for those that will belong to a church yeah you know very yeah. very important and wherever i go i'm big on this because uh, what i see is a hemorrhaging is a drifting uh what i call do-it-yourself christianity and and of all people western civilization and americans in particular we like to do it ourselves. yeah i i think to your point john i think the biggest challenge uh with this COVID has been the fact that you know uh, everybody's at home mm-hmm watching services i know some churches are starting to figure out how to open ours is going to start doing outside service but being at, at your house alone watching a service is a challenge yes because you're not going to get the energy level that you'll get if you're physically there with the people right exactly and so right. i think that's one of the big negatives that maybe have some people drifting away uh, because they haven't been able to be with their brothers and sisters. Oh, you mean through this three-month experience? Yeah. But yeah. the people that drift away have made a conscious decision way before COVID-19. Yeah. And they just, I mean, I travel widely. I'm involved oh, in yeah. a lot of different ministry. Yeah. So I meet a lot of people. But I meet people and I say, well, what church are you? Oh, I don't belong to a church anymore. And I know these are believers, you know. They've, they've committed their life to Christ. I go, why not? 
well, I don't like this or I don't like that or I don't. Well, again, we don't we don't belong to a church because we quote unquote like it or we don't. We, we belong to a church because we're commanded to, you see. And when we study the, 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 the in the book of um, in, in the church at Corinth and that when a person was in sin and they wouldn't repent, and they're in a church. Paul says, put them out from the church that Satan can attack them. The worst thing a child can do is run away from home. Yeah. Am I right when you're raising yeah. kids? Yeah. But if why? Because they're they're removing themselves from a protective environment with parents and food and shelter and security, and they're running out from that and exposing themselves to the street. Now, what you hope to happen in that situation, it gets so rough living out in the street like the prodigal son, it drives them back to get. I mean, so too. I say to my friends who have done this, why do you deliberately put yourself out from under that which God has provided for you to go it alone? They go, well, I, I don't like to go to church. I, I don't like to commit to this. I do this. Well, I don't care what your reasons are. There's, you can get ten, give me 10 reasons why you don't belong to church, and I'll give you one why you should belong to church because it's a command. Mm -hmm. Forsake not the assembly of yourselves together. Hebrews 13 says, know who those are over you in spiritual authority and must give an account for your souls. Time and again, it's, it's, we're gonna discuss this because this, this to me is one of the biggest problems in America today because I know what happened in Western Europe. They're coming apart at the seams because people have drifted, drifted, yeah. drifted. And we, we live in a culture of uh, self magazine, yeah. army of one. Uh, you deserve a break today. You know, all of the individual, yeah. the individual. Well, it's not that way all the time. I was a lone wolf, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I think we all were. Yeah, I mean, I did, I, I, I think um, the most, the person I trusted the most was myself prior to becoming a Christian. You know, I, I would, you know, if I needed to learn something, I'd learn it on my own mm -hmm. or I'd study about it or something for business or whatever. But now you realize, man, how, valuable and how much easier it is oh yeah uh, to uh and let alone the the again we're back to the gifts that we have by being a follower yeah, eternal right, life right what else do you want to talk about you know i, mean, I, 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 I got this hit me a couple of years ago when ray yeah. and i went back to southeast asia we were in thailand and we hadn't been able to get where we used to minister up on the thai mm -hmm. myanmar border we were part of a, a small church i forget we might have had maybe 30 to 50 on a given Sunday. And it was very mixed. We had Thai, we had some Chinese, we had Karen tribal people there. We had elders there, old men that still had leprosy. Two or three of their fingers were missing or from the old days when the leprosy was right. still, you know. And and we, it struggled, this little church. And I used to teach there and help with the, you know, with the eldership and that. And we went back and so it was about 25 years later, this was two years ago, we happened, well, let's go up there and see. This church, I, it was such an encouragement. They had rebuilt the church. They had like 150 people there. Music, worship. The pastor was right on. I knew his father. Yeah. Uh, they had afterwards, after the Sunday service, they had a big meal for everybody, fellowship yeah. meal. Unbelievers came. And they were reaching out in the community, witnessing, sharing. And I thought, man, this is so powerful to see a church in this part of the world operational. Yeah, they, I'm sure they had issues in that, but just i don't know it's just like a light a bright light in a dark part of the world and to just to see that really did me good you know to see that's why i'm a big guy for churches i, I really show people this scripturally yeah any other which way and you know as well as me the blessing it can be to your children absolutely and you leave a legacy yes every time you put a dollar or ten dollars into the basket mm -hmm. or a hundred dollars mm -hmm. 
you know, you trust that church, the stewardship, it's going to go to meet people's practical right. needs, widows. It's, it's going to go to further the gospel locally or internationally. It's going to go to this church plant mm -hmm. that's starting over here. It's, I don't. It's just tremendous. And 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 like, you know, I could go on and on, but all I know. Jesus is big on the local church. Okay? Yes, clearly. We just have a couple of minutes yeah, here. Yeah, clearly, but, right. And that's why I say he starts out the book of Revelation focused on the churches, mm -hmm. local churches. That's a very important point. Now he's got something against them. So consider Jesus examining these churches in the role as a great physician. First thing, he's going to see what's healthy, and then he's going to find out what's problematic, mm -hmm. what disease, what's malignant, and yeah. he's going to offer a remedy. Right. So look what he says in verse 4 and 5. You're in Revelation 2? Uh-huh. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstead from its place. Do you see what's happened now? Yeah. They, they, they're they doing a lot of good things, right? Right. We just looked at that. Mm -hmm. But he says, nevertheless, I have this against you. That's a rough statement coming from the Lord. That you have left your first love. Now, notice Jesus does not want to say, that's it. I'm going to wipe you off the table. I'm not going to use you. Anymore. I'm going to snap out the yeah. light. No, he wants to restore. He wants to get this thing back where it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. That's an important lesson to realize God. Yeah. He doesn't sweep sin under the rug mm -hmm. he exposes sin but then he wants to deal with it so and, so as he's basically saying here that they've lost their love for christ it wasn't right. as strong as when they right. first opened their doors right but he's given them a chance to come back as he always does that's the you know, key. That, that, that's the amazing thing to remember is regardless of what we've done the amount of sin we've done regardless of what it is yeah he allows us to repent and come to him Here's yeah. what it says in the letter to Ephesians, which was probably written about 40 years earlier. Paul says okay. this, chapter 1, verse 15. Go ahead. Therefore, also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints. Mm. So back then they had it. 35, 40 years later, what's happened? They drifted. Yeah. They drifted. A generational drift. And what's interesting is Paul mentions love many times in the letter to the Ephesians. Yeah. So in a sense, they failed in their strong suit. They failed. Mm -hmm. And what they're doing here, when Jesus says, your labor, your discernment, they were, they were on cruise control. They were on automatic pilot. They're doing this. We got a program here. We're mm -hmm. doing this over here. We got an outreach over there. And we're just cruising along, right? Yeah. But what, what's your motive? What's your motive? What's, what's your mainspring? Think of this as a husband and wife. After years of marriage, the, the, there's not that love that was first there. And the, but if you look at the thing, they're paying their bills, they're paying off their house, there's raised the children, they're 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 operating, but it's not a relationship as more as much as a partnership. And and I think, boy, John, what you just said is is I think really what he's saying here, right? Mm -hmm. That you guys seem to be outwardly doing the right things, but. You, the love has to be brought exactly back, right. and you have to be more focused on me. It has to go hand in hand. Exactly right. Yeah. Because from a human point of view, like I said, if you're uh -huh. going to do this thing in report card, you're going to give it high marks. Yeah. But Jesus just doesn't see the outward. He sees the inward. Mm -hmm. Why? That's why he can see motives. He can yeah, see he intent. Knows. He, knows he knows nothing everything. can be hidden yeah. from him. But then he gives a remedy. The, again, the doctor examines, and then he gives a prescription. Verse 5. Remember, therefore, for where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. 
So we got remember, repent, and then it says repeat. Remember from what? Remember way back in the letter to Ephesians, when you guys were growing and mm -hmm. growing, and he says, go back there. Remember that. Turn your life around. That's what repent means. Turn around and repeat the first works. And what's interesting, David, in the letter to Ephesians, Paul offers this prayer. He says, um, uh, uh, where he, he kind of uh, says to the people there, you, you can actually pray that God would give you more uh, of the spirit of love. He says, um, for this, um, uh, he says, for this reason, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from yeah. whom all family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through the spirit in the inner man, there's the Trinity, mm -hmm. uh, that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. That's a prayer. He offered that way back in the letter to the Ephesians. Maybe these guys didn't pray that prayer often enough. Maybe. They, uh, we don't Maybe. know. It's, yeah. You know. Yeah. But he says, now verse five, or I will come quickly and remove your lampstand from yeah. its place. Now, again, let's bring this fast forward to the 21st century, David. There are churches, there are denominations mm -hmm. to go today that have lost their light. Mm -hmm. They're no longer a gospel-based church. They, again, you know, right. they don't believe in the very basics. So what does that yeah. church become? It becomes a club. It becomes like a... <clears throat> Uh, what would you call it? Uh, uh, a, a, a club or a, on a just a place you go to and yeah. you're affirmed, you're okay, I'm okay, yeah. kind of a thing. We're going yeah. to do some good works and all of this kind of stuff. But it's not a church. Yeah. It doesn't have the light of the gospel. Yeah, it's it been be. just like right. it's blown out. Yeah, it has no light. So he's taken the Holy Spirit, everything from that. church. Their light is gone. Yeah, they're 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 dead. Yeah, and you see that they're today dead. again. Yeah, you know where these churches go and they they don't hold to the Word of God anymore. They don't preach salvation. Paul says the essential gospel. He says this in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, verse 1 through 3. This is the gospel that I received, first mm -hmm. and foremost, that Jesus Christ died according to the scriptures, was buried, uh, and rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. He goes, that is your heart of the gospel. Death, burial, resurrection, that you can die to your old self yeah. and be risen with. Yeah. If you lose that and we're just a feel good or yeah. let's you know go it's a rotary club or right. it's a, you know right. a book club right <laughs> without yeah. the holy spirit people that even study the bible it's a book club it's a very good book club but it's just a book club. you're right. <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll start wrapping it up there yeah now if you read verse six and seven but you have this in your favor you hate the practices of the nicolaitans which i also hate whoever has ears let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So now we see, he says, now remember earlier he said, you have the gift of discernment, you have a good way of weighing out people that come in that don't have true doctrine. He says, uh, you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. We'll talk about the Nicolaitans, but what was happening with these guys, they're coming into the church and they're bringing immorality. Yeah. They're, they're compromising mm -hmm. and they're saying, it's okay, mm -hmm. you're not under the law anymore. Right. You can do this. Maybe right. you can go to the temple over here and you can offer mm -hmm. a sacrifice to idols, which I notice Jesus hates this. Yes. They hate it. Sometimes we have to hate sin. Maybe yeah. we, we're too comfortable with uh -huh. sin. Uh -huh. And then he says, now he was talking to this local church written... 2,000 years ago. This is an actual church in Asia Minor. But then he says, look at the first part of verse 7. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Notice that. 
Yeah. Whoever this this applies to all of us today. If you have spiritual ears, whoever has ears, let him hear. Well, is there anything in this admonition to the church back then that has application to my life today? Am I letting immorality slip into my life? Am I letting this? Are you centered on Christ? Exactly right. I mean, period. That, that's the bottom line. So he's yeah, he's saying whoever has yeah. ears, this uh -huh. is all inclusive through all, all time to all Christians. I, what is the Spirit saying to the churches? I, I think the big thing here, and, and you know, I'm at fault on this for sure too, is the fact that we can have outward, outwardly actions to show good deeds, but then we're thinking something else, or our internals really isn't showing the love that Christ uh, bestowed on us. Yeah. And, 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 and th that's where that's where you have to work every day to become more like Christ, because I think that's the biggest challenge, really, is is because, you know, people will get on your nerves. We get attacked by bitterness and uh, anger and uh, all those things. And and uh, so I think it's important to realize this has application to us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. And the idea here... Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep right. my commandments. So yeah. we will keep his commandments if we're motivated by, by love. And then he says, again, this applied to this church back then, but it also applies to whoever that has spiritual ears, to him who overcomes. Now, here's the reward. Usually he gives a reward after the mm -hmm. first condemnation and then commendation. You see, if we'll do this, then this. And again, our Lord wants us to move towards repentance oh, and restoration yeah. and yeah. reward. Yeah. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life. That goes way back to Genesis, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And as we continue this study, David, we're going to come to an end today. Yeah. But we're going to see Genesis and Revelation are vitally linked together, like bookends. Here he's referencing the first reward is I give you access to the tree of life, which essentially means eternal life. If you'll do this, you have that. And so we're going to go through this, and you're going to see this. this is... This is a seamless book, the Bible. You know, it just clips These are together. the bookends. These are you bookends. Know, Genesis and now Revelation. Yeah. Right. So we'll continue that okay. next week. For Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Uh, have a safe week. Have a blessed week. And uh, I encourage you to study this uh, book of Revelation, particularly as we go into chapter 2, which I hope to do next week, Lord willing. Yes. And we'll be back again. So God bless all of you. Thanks, David. Yeah, th thanks, John. Have a great weekend, everybody, and happy Father's Day. That's right. Okay, happy God Father's bless. Day. God bless you all.